3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate, teach. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Maybe it all comes down to grills. That's right, outdoor grills, like Weber and Traeger, symbol, cook. This is the height of grill season, yet their sales are plummeting. And I think, frankly, that's the perfect metaphor for the zany market, including today. Dow closed up 19 points, S&P advanced 0.23%, NASDAQ edged up 0.21%. It's kind of just seesawing. I want you to hear me out about this thing. All right, roughly a year ago, these two grill companies came public. Traeger was first and quickly almost doubled. Then a little bit after, we got Weber, which was much less successful. The book runners had to cut back the IPO dramatically in both price and size just to get the deal done. But only Weber went up, too. Now, one year later, Traeger is down 80% from its IPO price to 3 bucks and change. Weber, which just replaced its CEO when it reported its last latest quarter, and it was a disastrous one, has seen its stock come down nearly 30% from its steel price. And that's even after it spiked 27% today. And it looks like another one of those short squeezes we've seen so often these days. Hey, maybe Weber is the next meme stock. Now that bed Bath has been defrocked, stranger things have happened. So what are these two things? That, why are we doing this metaphorical exercise? Scramer Kramer lost his mind. Well, that happened years ago. Here's what they tell us. They tell us about the border market. They tell us pretty much everything. See, back during the darkest days of the pandemic, Americans embraced the outdoors, including grilling, as a way safely to see people in person. As long as you were outside, you were much less likely to get or give COVID. So grill sales just surged beyond all. I mean, no one could believe how strong grill sales were. I mean, both these companies came public at the same time. They wouldn't have been able to come public without the grill boom. The big box retailers saw these numbers and went nuts ordering Traegers and Webers to meet the demand. And that's how these two unremarkable companies could raise so much money when they came public. But the grilling team turned out to be short-lived. People quickly got vaccinated, we got COVID under control, and grill sales peaked earlier than any retailer expected. Almost all of these big chains had way too many grills at the top. And they were a major cause of all the excess inventory stories that you keep hearing about at retail. By the way, especially at Target, which had to get rid of the grills to make room for merchandise that people actually wanted to buy, buy, buy. Traeger's emblematic. Don't buy. Don't buy. First, the price of the materials you needed to make a Traeger, well, they went through the roof. Think of steel. Second, Traeger made six grills in China. So the container ship expenses and port delays just crushed them and their customers. Third, and this one's a big one. Grills last a long time. When you buy a real good one, which is a Traeger, you don't need a new Traeger the next year. Hey, by the way, both Traeger and, as I mentioned, Weber were today, and I think this is actually an amazing time to do some sell, 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 sell. Of course, grills themselves are just one category amongst many, many, where we saw the same emblematic exact story. Hard goods caught fire, and we quickly ended up with a glut in each one of them. Just think about how the work-from-home craze drove sales for extra computers, for TVs, for furniture. The retailers chased every one of these, ultimately double-ordering tons of the stuff that they turned out they couldn't need and didn't sell. The ramifications are extraordinary throughout the economy. Companies that were pumping out televisions and game devices saw sales plummet once we felt safe going out again as the pandemic waned. The retailers got stuck with way too many entertainment devices of all shapes and sizes. They had to slash prices to get rid of them. Because they needed the space for new merchandise that's more in demand, like back-to-school clothes, they are still bearing the brunt unless they took the charge, like Target did, and moved on. The personal computer she geared up to meet this greatest demand wave that it had ever seen, thanks to the rise of remote work. But once again, like grills, they placed too many orders, made too many machines. That caused huge swaths of the semiconductor industry to go boom and then bust, led by Micron, But followed by anyone who made parts for personal computers like AMD or Intel, these companies are still trying to cope with the collapse of sales, which is down double digits. That's never happened either. Just like grills, you don't need a new computer every year. Furniture. Business was booming thanks to the pandemic, but then sales hit a huge wall once people finished their covid year remodeling. Meanwhile, the furniture makers had already placed huge orders, open for stuff that came in months late due to supply chain mishaps. You know, the stocks of RH and Wayfair were just crushed. Some pandemic stocks we knew would be in for a world of hurt as life went back to normal. We all knew, like, you know, Peloton, I a genius, like DocuSign, Zoom. That's not what I'm talking about. See, nobody thought that suddenly ingrained consumer habits would change so rapidly this year, with the boom turning into a bust in a few months' time while unwanted backup orders were trapped out at sea or waiting to be unloaded in our terminal-congested ports. At times, this merchandise was written off before it even got to the stores, before it got out of the boats. This rapid change of fortune has been wreaking havoc all over the place. Take the semiconductor industry. For ages, we've designed chips here, then outsourced the manufacturing to Taiwan or South Korea because it's so much cheaper there. Suddenly, though, China's gotten more belligerent, so sourcing most of our chips from Taiwan is a huge national security issue. In the end, the federal government scrambled to pass major subsidies to promote domestic semiconductor manufacturing here, Ohio. Of course, this bill would have been a whole lot more useful if they passed it a year ago. Until very recently, we had some very severe chip shortages because almost every semiconductor manufacturer decided that big money was in high-performance chips, the ones that go into uh, the big uh, uh, data, data uh, centers that we hear about, not the cheaper chips, which, which by the way, are called f- uh, feature-rich chips or full-feature chips, that are used for machinery, that are used for trucks and for cars and for all this stuff that's digitized that didn't used to be. But practically every industry has been trying to digitize their products, and there haven't been enough chips available because of that, especially the oil industry. Too many chips for Amazon, not enough for Ford or GM. That tightness is now letting up, though. Cisco reported a terrific number, first of many, I believe, because its chip shortage has eased to the point where the company can meet its orders on time. We own the stock for the charitable trust. I told investment club members at our 10, 20 morning meeting that you can still keep buying the stock. And I believe that even now I would continue to buy Cisco. Why? CEO Chuck Robbins just told us that Cisco has excellent visibility. I think it's the best they've ever had, which means you can trust the numbers. You understand my job and I'm right behind yours is my uh, squawk on the street. Set. A lot of my job is to gauge things. And I gauge the uh, level of confidence of Chuck Robbins, CEO, as the highest I've ever seen. He's been there seven years. By Cisco, But while the semiconductor shortage is easing up and semiconductor equipment makers applied materials said as much as in tonight's good quarter, it's not easing up evenly. The automakers are still struggling to get enough chips. Again, like grills, I'm worried that by the time they get them, we'll already have a car glut, especially if the Fed keeps making it more expensive to get financing. Could change on a dime, though. These changes are happening everywhere with miserable consequences. We're now getting some great demand for electric vehicles, but we lack so much of the infrastructure to build what's needed. The material side is a nightmare, and it's not made easier by the fact that lithium, a key input for batteries that used to be plentiful as sand, has become scarce because of foreign government intervention. It's something that Elon Musk talks about all the time on his conference calls, which, by the way, are very funny. We had too little gasoline in May. Now we got too much in August. We didn't have enough Stanley Black & Decker Whirlpool products. Component costs have gone through the roof. Now we have too many, way too much with Stanley's product. I worry that Whirlpool's going to be hurt and slow down. We couldn't fly, so the aerospace layoffs soared. Then we could fly, and there weren't enough planes or pilots. Ticket prices plummet, and then ticket prices roar, and then they'd come down again. No one knows what to do. That's ultimately the real issue. We have never seen so many booms and busts occurring almost simultaneously, which brings me to the bottom line. In that kind of environment, you can't really plan. You just have to guess. And 2022 will be known as the year when many businesses and Portfolio Managers guest dead wrong. Let's go to John in my home state of New Jersey. John.
2: Hey, Jim. John, Hoboken, New Jersey. Big shout was out the, to I you. Was, I was at
3: Hoboken. I was Hoboken on Monday. Oh, my God. Hoboken is just smoking. I, I got to get a it. place there. What? It's fantastic. Well, husband, you can hang out with me, Jim. Just give me a buzz. But anyway. On yeah, your big way, John, John, to Just you give me a time. 18- with 2018 commencement she, uh, uh, commencement speech. Uh, Ray Bucknell University. You did an outstanding job. You like job. that one? My daughter is also alumni. 2018. Oh, <laughs> I'm so good she heard it. I was a little, I was a little, uh, I was a little out of control. I know. I showed no. the 57 rejection letters I got when I got out of co- uh, college. You but go ahead, let's make it. some money together. Thank you. John. Your question. Crushed
2: it. Uh, today, Thank- my question, Caterpillar, I've been increasing yeah. my position over the
3: last 10 years. My portfolio has a sizable amount. What's your look at five to 10
2: years out? Is it the best in sector? Will it be best in sector?
3: I'll tell you what, John, just like you said about Bucknell and your fantastic daughter. You got horse sense. I think caterpillars are a major one. Ah! I think Upmobies done fantastic things that rationalize. I think our stocks buy on one eighty one ninety, one eighty one ninety, and then boom, two fifty. Just a prediction. Let's go to Brad in California. Brad. Yay, Jim. This is your fans rooting for a wild card for your Phillies. Anyway, oh, you. is. Uh, uh, well, but you know, it's a little yeah. they got a lot of good teams in that national league. There there is. It's, a it's gonna be the playoffs are gonna be very exciting. Oh, they are. They are, and you know. And I, I, love that you bring them up because I, I watch the Phillies every day. We, we had a bad one last night. What's going on? I knew you did. My question uh, is, uh, pretending to Macy's, and given the choppy economic conditions and all the headwinds that retail reports recently all over the board. Your thoughts about Macy's and their quarterly report due next week. Look, I I, I am a big believer in in Jeff Gannett. Look, I know that these uh, box stores are out of favor. I think he's doing a good job. The fact that this is selling at four times earnings is nuts. I would buy that stock. They fixed the balance sheet first, which is what Gannett should do. Now they have great merchandise. I think that Bloomingdale's is worth the price of that stock. I mean, it's, it's insulting to Jeff. It's insulting. Jeff, you're going I mean, to come on Monday, okay? Anyway, am I getting wrapped? I think I'm getting wrapped. I was having so much fun jumping over with the Caterpillar. I used to be in the long jump, didn't get that far, but I was in the Penn Relays Championship of America. You didn't know that, because more, like as Brian Sullivan says, there's an RBI. the a random, random batting average or something. 2022 will be known as the year when many businesses guess wrong, but not on this show, we don't guess. Man Money Tonight, GenRack, helps power a host of industries. But can it help power your portfolio? I'm checking in with the CEO. And this market is looking a lot different than it did just a couple of months ago. So is your portfolio equipped to handle whatever is thrown at it? Well, that's why we play M.I. Diversify. Uh, We see if your portfolio can pass monster. And then Synopsys reported top and bottom line beat. No one's ever heard of it. But well, we're changing that tonight because we're going to sit down with the top brass. So stay with Kramer.
2: NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving.
3: This week, President Biden signed the most impactful piece of climate legislation in our country's entire history. Even if he had to bill it as the Inflation Reduction Act to get it passed, it's going to have a huge impact on alternative energy, especially the residential solar space, which brings me to Jen a company that used to be known for making backup power generators. But in recent years, they've made a series of acquisitions in the residential battery space where their systems can store energy from solar panels, along with distributed energy technology that lets people sell their power back to the grid. And you know I've been a fan of this one for many, many years, and it's been a big long-term winner. It's been in our bullpen for uh our, our charitable trust for ages. Although the stock has been crushed since the Fed declared war on inflation last November as the whole alternative energy space went out of style. GenRack fell all the way back below $200 at its lows in May. Now it's back to 269 thanks in part to the big climate legislation and a less hostile stock market. But you've got to ask yourself, could it still have more upside? It was much higher at one time. Let's take a closer look with Aaron Jagfeld, the chairman and CEO of GenRAC, to learn more about where his company is headed. Mr. Jagfeld, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Hey, Jim, how are you?
3: Well, Aaron, I got to tell you, I was thinking about you the whole time when I was watching the president sign the bill, because I know there's so many things in here that will make it so that if I wanted to be have a, a total solar system in my house, I would be involved with Genrec is the best way to do it. You must have seen and been very pleased with what what we got out of Washington.
1: Finally, something that uh, I think is you know really meaningful in terms of the impact that we can have on on the climate and for future generations. And so, you know, this bill uh, has in it just a, a lot of funding for the acceleration of the adoption of renewables. It has things, like you said, that, you know, battery storage, it's going gonna, it's gonna to favor those types of investments, which are going to be absolutely critical for our grid going forward, stability, for resiliency, uh, and to help us, you know, control our costs.
3: Now, a lot of people know you still as somebody who has standby machines. And by the way, that's a great business. I have one. But I think that what you're doing, for instance, we had uh, a company, Sunnova, earlier this week that is deeply integrated with you. The new systems, tell people how they can get them and what they mean for people who have electric vehicles or don't.
1: Our new systems, are we refer to it as our energy technology space. We've acquired a number of companies there and kind of put together, we're calling it a smart uh, energy home system. So effectively, what we want to do is we want to put the control to produce your own power consume your own power uh, guard against outages we want to put that in the homeowner's hands and so we've built this system and it's a combination of solar panels and microinverters. inverters it's got battery systems like our power cell uh, storage system it has smart thermostats we acquired a company last december called ecobee that does smart thermostats a fantastic company up in up in toronto canada we have smart water heater disconnect switches. We have home energy monitoring systems. You put all this together and it's really going to change the way people think about power, about where they get their power from, how they consume their power, how they can be better stewards of the planet by being better consumers their consumers of their power.
3: Uh, still, at the same time, I know we're heading into hurricane season. Is the problem with the grid stability and the problem with storms still the biggest thing that brings people into generac?
1: Well, obviously, it's a big part of our business, right? Our legacy is backup power generation. Uh, we've got over 3 million home standby generators out there in the marketplace. We have a huge, huge share of that market. Uh, and it's a market we created 25 years ago. Uh, and, it, you know, look, outages move the needle for us, right? Like When people are worried about outages or when they experience outages, we're so dependent on a continuous source of power today and everything we do. And think about all the people today that are working from home, right? Even if it's not you know, five days a week, it's a certain amount of time that we're working from home. Our kids are going to school virtually. We're shopping uh, from home. We're entertaining from home. All of these things, it's the home as a sanctuary, as we refer to it, becomes so critical that you have a continuous source of power. And people are really concerned about this. All the warnings that have come out this summer in particular from grid operators and utilities that they're, they're not going to have enough power. Right. We're making this transition, which we need to make with the grid to a heavier uh, you know, supply of renewables. But that's creating some imbalances between supply and demand. And that creates this issue where grid operators may not be able to supply power all the time. And that makes our products really in high demand. Well,
3: do you, are you thinking some people are going to say, hold it, natural gas, highest uh, in 14 years, uh, propane, very expensive, that, that, that it doesn't make economic sense? Or can you still justify it even at these prices?
1: I think, well, you know, it, first of all, the fuel that goes into those gen sets is, is pretty minimal in terms of the overall cost of, of ownership. It's really about the, the, the safety and security you get with your, with your product that, you know, you just can't get. If, you, if, if the grid can't be supplied to your home, basically, you're, you know, life gets really primitive really quickly. And this is something that people just aren't willing to live with, whether it's caused by a hurricane or a wildfire or an ice storm. You know, we had the, the event in Texas Last December, last February, February of 2021. And this was a massive event. Millions of people without power in Texas because it got too cold. And that that's the kind of situation that's starting to manifest itself more frequently. And people have, you know, they've just... Decided that they're going to take things into their own hands by having a backup power source.
3: All right now, I, I know I shouldn't get. I really, I keep being drawn to the to you know to the home standby, and that's not the story here. For instance, I thought that one of the most important things in your conference call, you start talking about how you the off grid energy mobile energy storage system. Now that alone could be as big as as many states' homes. Correct?
1: Absolutely. I mean, our off grid energy. Uh, we did an acquisition last year. Uh, it's uh, it's over in the UK, but it's great. They make a basically it's a it's kind of a, a battery, a portable battery system on wheels that you would find at job sites. Uh, you know, you see a lot of job sites are, are concerned about emissions. Right. They're concerned about noise. They're con- concerned about tailpipe emissions. And so they're they're moving to battery and they're, they're using these systems to reduce the carbon footprint. From, from construction, whether that's road construction or commercial construction, uh, those types of, uh, of situations are are perfect for off-grid energy.
3: Now, when I take a look at some of the things that I, I've been trying to focus on, I, I'm trying to figure out whether there, there's something to be said about buying a Generac. Our customers are your customers are watching. Should you buy a generac through an overall solar system, or do you buy a generac through a, a dealer? Because with this, the ITC with the tax credit that the government just give you, is it better to can you get a better advantage of it by going through someone who does a soup to nut solar system for your house?
1: Well, we would you know, we would recommend, first of all, if you're gonna buy a generator or if you wanna buy one of our storage systems connected to a solar system, use a dealer. <laughs> um, you know, these are complex systems. Uh, there's a lot of things involved with, with the electricity in your home, uh, and you definitely want to have a licensed electrician involved in, in any kind of installation or commissioning of a system like this. That's the best way to guarantee that you're going to have a great experience with that. You know, And again, our dealers, we have 8,200 dealers across the nation. Uh, they're, they're well-trained in these products. They know how they operate. They can help you pick which one you need. A lot of times people come into this, they're not exactly sure what kind of product do they need. Sometimes, you know, if you're thinking you just want something to protect your your electrical system, your your backup, maybe a generator is perfect for you. If you really want to go further with that and you want to go all in on solar and all in on storage and smart thermostats and everything else that goes with a full system, that that smart uh, home energy system, that's something, again, a dealer can help you kind of lay that out and really walk you through the process and make sure you're getting the right equipment.
3: All right, well, I think people should be doing this. I know I'm doing it. I already have one. i got to look at, at the possibilities because it's just after this bill. It's just such a, such a great opportunity. That's Aaron Jagfeld, the president, chairman, and CEO of GenRAC. GNRC might believe, once again, is one of the biggest beneficiaries, but otherwise, the company's terrific. They don't even need the act in order to make money. And money's back after the break.
4: Coming up, survive the unknowns. Thrive in any market.
0: visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: The average amount of to eke out gains today, just a little bit, but as I've been telling you, I think this market has the ability to pull back We've been rallying since mid June, after all. So, I do think you have to protect yourself at all times, though. Selling some speculative names, buying stocks that have fared well, but have gone down for no reason, and of course, staying diversified. And that's why today we're bringing back an old favorite Am I diversified? This time to the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. You name your top five holdings. I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough, maybe you got to mix it up a little bit. So, let's kick it off with Bob in Arkansas. Bob.
5: Hey, this is Bob from Little Rock. Booyah, Captain Kramer. Been watching you 10 years. First time caller. Thank you for covering the backs of us home gamers. Here's my stocks. I've got Apple, Procter & Gamble, AT&T, and McDonald's. And my diversified captain.
3: Well, I like Admiral there Tell me some great stuff, and I really appreciate it. Uh, those are kind words, and I do try to have everybody's back. Let's go over to help Bob here. Okay, Apple, own it, don't trade it. I've been saying that. Uh, so far, it's been looking good for about 15 years. McDonald's, I think it's absolutely terrific. It's an up stock. It's like I said, probably going to 300. Procter Gamble, we own it for the Chapel Trust. Follow along by joining the investing club. Warehouse, a very good lumber supply company. ATT, that has to go immediately. I mean, like yesterday, you want T-Mobile. I'm worried about the dividend. I'm worried about the performance. I worry about the management. I worry, I worry, I worry. Well, I don't have to worry if I have T-Mobile. Otherwise, you'll have tech, you'll have food, you'll have consumer product, you'll have lumber, and then you will have... Well, let's say a growth utility if you use T-Mobile, but it's really a phone company. All right. Now, we're not done because we're going to Tom in Connecticut. Tom.
1: Hello, Jim. Tom from Danbury, Connecticut here. I'm a member of the Investment Club and want to thank
3: you, Jeff, and your whole crew for all you do. My five stocks are Google, Apple, Lockheed Martin, Katera, and Pioneer Natural Resources. I know I have two energy companies in there, but I thought in view of today's economy, uh, that might work. So I'm hoping you will say that I am diversified. Thanks again for all you do. Well, First, thank you for joining the Investing Club. And I am going to bless this. I'll tell you why I'm going to bless it, because this is actually a yield play and this is a natural gas play. That's how I separate them. You can easily say that they're both energy. I'm not going there. It's one of the things I've been teaching with the chapel trust by members if you're a member of the club you know how much i like these as a hedge alphabet premier technology company it's really an advertising company apple technology pure technology and then lockheed martin is defense i like defense very much i wish we owned this for the tr- for the trust so again i am blessing this for tom because this is yield we had him on yesterday scott sheffield and this is natural gas which we need for national security so i'm going to go with it you can quibble but i'm going for it Let's go to Jeff, because I've been telling the club members. Uh, Let's go to Jeff in Georgia, please. Jeff.
0: Hi, Jim. This is Jeff from Georgia. Thanks for having me on today. My five stocks are Chevron, General Motors, Barrick Gold Corporation, Coca-Cola, and Altria Group. Am I diversifying? Thanks.
3: Very interesting group here. All right. Well, Coca-Cola, yeah, I think James Quincy's doing a remarkable job. I really like the stock. Barrick. I mean, Dr. Mark Brister. you can't beat him. But to, you know, if you want a gold stock, you have to want a gold stock. Altria, we don't recommend tobacco companies on the, on, on the show. It's just the way I am. Uh, Chevron, uh, premier energy company with a very good yield, great cash flow. General Motors, I think Mary Barr is doing a terrific job. So we've got a, a drug. We have a, a food company. They often link with drug, food and drug. We've got a gold company. We've got an auto manufacturer. We have an oil company. What do we need right here? I think we ought to have healthcare, just the opposite of Altria. Let's buy some Humana, and then we've got a terrific portfolio. Next up is Betsy in California. Betsy.
2: Hey Jim, this is Betsy from California. My five stocks are Hershey, because when the market is crazy, everyone needs chocolate. When the market isn't crazy, everyone needs chocolate. Next stock is Snow. The next stock is UNH. Next one is Oxy, O-X-Y. And the last one is Ulta. Thanks so much, Jim. Am I diversified?
3: Fair I like that backdrop, too. Wasn't it great? It was kind of like, you know, shoots and ladders or something. All right, so... We got Occidental, which is Warren Buffett's oil company. I totally get that. I do like oil. Uh, Snowflake, which is Frank Slootman. That's a great technology company. Ulta, one of the, one of the great retailers of our generation. Also, by the way, in, in uh, you find them in Target. Uh, United Health Group. I like Humana, but this is a fantastic health insurer. And then Hershey's. Hey, when you're you know when you like it or not or whatever, I like all those re- that reasoning for Hershey was priceless. So I got a food company, I got an oil company, I got a tech company, I got a consumer company retail, and I have healthcare. This is the most perfect portfolio that we have today, and I've got to tell you, I am impressed with every one of our callers/slash video phoners, And all I can say is, back
4: in the Coming up: smart homes, smart phones, smart investors. Grahamer has a key player in the Internet of Things. Next.
3: Oh, man, money, we're always on the lookout for stealth winners. That means stocks have quietly were higher while still flying under the radar. And tonight I've got an exciting one. It's been around for three decades trading, but I haven't talked about it. It's called Synopsys, which is a $57 billion software company that helps design and test semiconductors, among many other things. Somehow, even though this stock's been a huge winner in recent years, it's still not a hassle name. I want to change that. the best performing large cap stock you may never have heard of. Uh, most recently, the stock jumped from 290 a couple of months ago to $373 today, in part because tech has gotten its groove back. But mainly because I think people are excited about semis. Washington just passed some huge semiconductor subsidies. But there's many other good things happening here. Last night's synopsis reported an excellent quarter. Clean top and bottom line beat. Strong guidance for the current quarter. Management raised their full-year forecast. Now, the stock wasn't able to rally today, seeking 2%, but that's in large part because it came in hot. The stock's had bad, an enormous run. While it isn't cheap, I don't think it ever has been cheap, but it shouldn't be cheap. We need to learn more about this story. So let's check in with Dr. Art Jesus. And Arthur, Art is the chairman and CEO of Synopsis to get a better read on the situation. Dr. Jesus, welcome to Bad buddy, Great to have you.
5: Oh, it's a pleasure to be at your show. Thank you.
3: Oh, thank you, Art. Now you've got uh, first time on. So, if you don't mind, if you can explain the types of products that Synopsys makes and what type of services you offer, because it's really more than just a hardware company by any means.
5: Oh, absolutely. You know, to to sort of position us, we're in the middle of the semiconductor industry, which of course right now is getting a lot of attention. And what we do is we provide the tools that are used by the semiconductor companies to design chips. Right, and designing a chip is a really complex thing because a lot of so-called transistors—these are just on-off switches on on a thing the size of a postage stamp—and you know when we started Synopsys thirty-five years ago, there may be a few thousand. Now, there are multiple billions of those. And so designing these chips uh, requires very advanced tools that make sure that they work correctly, that they work over time, that they're uh, small, that they're fast, that they're low power. That's what we do. And the industry, of course, is the role model for human exponential behavior, right? We have seen over 50 years The number of these transistors growing like crazy, and it has literally impacted uh, everything that's done in the world today. And the little bit of shortage immediately got full attention on the industry. And maybe that's the reason we now end up talking on your show, because we are the player behind the player behind the player here. True. We're at the center of this industry.
3: True. It, it, but I found was so interesting about you. you're the second largest owner of intellectual property. You're also the company. Say, if you want a, a really special chip for, uh, let's say, for a, an electronic vehicle, you probably end up having to go to synopsis. You guys are the only guys that really know how to do this stuff.
5: Well, you know, uh, we should give uh, credit where credit is due. This industry is unbelievably complex, and all the players are just extraordinary play, uh, people that that build these things. We have the, the the good fortune to be in the middle of it because, A, people use our tools, and you're right, we have many IP blocks, so, so-called building blocks, that instead of designing a chip from scratch, you just plunk them down. Just like if you were to design a house, you'd say, well, you know, do I really t- need to design the kitchen, or can I just take one out of the catalog and it's already done? So it goes very fast. So we're a player in that as well. And then when you mention automotive, it's actually relatively recently that automotive is really investing up towards the software that's in the car because, of course, autonomous driving requires AI, requires data, it requires a lot of things. And so we now touch from the deepest in the physics of a, of a transistor and of a chip. All the way to automotive people where we we work on the link between the software and the hardware to make sure that the two work well together.
3: Well, what I liked about it, I, I think you don't have a lot of cyclicality. You have clients everywhere in every different industry. I mean, aerospace is there, too. Uh, there isn't any of, of the uh, almost every non cyclical industry that needs chips has to come to you. So I was trying to figure out, do the people who run an airline builder or uh, or, or run, say, like a. Um, a consultant, are they the ones that contact you? Who are the person what part of the of the chain con- calls, calls your company and says we need your help?
5: Well, it starts with all the people actually designing the, the chips. So the main semiconductor companies they often sell to systems companies and those in turn sell to the end markets, right? So airline people would, would uh, not really focus on the chips themselves. Automotive has changed though yeah, automotive has figured out that you know the brain of the car may become just as important as whatever moves the car forward. And there, too, you see change from combustion to uh, electrification, which brings more control uh, there as well. So we touch a lot of people that are all simultaneously going into a whole new wave. And I would call that new wave smart everything. You know, what we're seeing is big data coming together with AI, right? You multiply those two. And before you know it, you have little smarts everywhere, be it in your fridge or dishwasher, but also in agriculture, in medicine, in all the verticals. And this is going to have massive impact over the next 20 years.
3: So, Art, you you must have been a fan of the uh, semiconductor bill, the chips bill. But at the same time, you you yourself don't have foundries and don't need them.
5: No, but actually foundries are our closest partners because when you help people design chips, you want to make really sure that they can be manufactured in the foundry, right? right. And so uh, in, the, in the CHIPS Act, the, the intent is, is dual, A, to increase uh, the, the capacity in the United States for manufacturing, but also to accelerate some of the new trends that are going to be important to differentiate oneself. And in our field, there's only one way to win, race forward as fast as you possibly can, And, you know, this act will hopefully help a little bit in that direction. And uh, we will benefit from the fact that uh, quite a number of customers will accelerate. We will accelerate with them and we enable them to do all of this work.
3: Now, uh, the last thing I I see that seem to differentiate yourself is you've got a big focus on security, embedded security. It just seems something that I think all the customers want and is your specialty in this group.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, security, of course, came to mind maybe 10, 15 years ago, and it was all about software, right? Hackers right. going into software and, and, and doing some bad stuff. Um, we have a business there. Actually, a piece of, of synopsis focuses on uh, designing the software so that it is less susceptible to security breaches. But by the way, increasingly now also on the hardware bottom up. There are more things that we put in the chips uh, to increase security. And by the way, I would add another word to that. Security now increasingly is also going to come together with safety, because by the time you, you have chips, a lifetime in a car, you want to make sure the, th- the thing is still secure and doesn't endanger uh, the driver of the car by virtue of uh, being corrupted by, by age or by, by something else. Wow. And so all of these things play together, right?
3: But I just think you're in the sweet spot. People need to know you because we the smartest, the smarter the chips are, the better that the end the end customer does, which therefore is a virtuous circle for you. I want to thank Dr. Art Gias, an artist, chairman and CEO of Synopsis. First time on the show. All right. It was great to have you on. A pleasure. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Everybody's back after the break.
4: Coming up, Kramer takes your calls and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next.
3: It is time to lightning round. Rap goes one of those And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skeet, dead. So the lightning comes to the with Alex in
1: Oregon. Alex. Ooh, yeah, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. From uh, one garden to another, your garden's looking great. So I'm a big believer of the electrification of everything space right now. I'm looking at one company, seems to have a strong balance book, doing some great M&A. The company's called Atcor. ticker symbol is A-T-K-R.
3: Uh, you know what? I've been fascinated by this because the new safety and cables, and you're absolutely right. It's part of digitization of everything. I'm going to look into them deeper. Ben Stoto, runs with Photo, and I are really going to do a deep dive on Atcor. He's been unbelievable lately. He's been red hot. Let's go to Mike in Nebraska. Mike, booyah, Jim, booyah, That's Michael, Michael. what's up? Paramount, P-A-A. Paramount. That's I don't know. I mean this one, I mean, honestly, if there were no Justice Department, which there is, if there's no FTC, which there is, I think these guys would have already gotten a bid. It is ridiculously cheap. I like the stock, and I gotta tell you, I think it's worth the house of pain. The
4: house of pain for ultimate. House of pleasure.
3: I need to go right now to Ron in Michigan. Ron.
4: Hey Jim, a big old eye to you from Port here, in Michigan. My question to you is on POWW Ammo Inc. Uh, they reported earnings on Monday and announced they're splitting it into two companies. Uh, since then, they've kind of been taken to the woodshed. Uh, I was just yeah, wondering, uh, your yeah you know, on ammo it.
3: munitions, and they can do that. These companies try to split up and stuff. Look, I'm a hunter, so take what I say with a grain of salt. I don't recommend these gun stocks. They don't make anybody any money anyway, so I don't feel like I'm missing a point. Uh, but I just don't want to do it on the show. I don't want tobacco and I don't want the guns. It's you know, you take it offline. I mean, hey, listen, if you want to buy, go to Cabela's. They got a great gun collection. I mean, honestly, I like the Cabela's. It's, it's perfect. Let's go to David, you know, just saying, if you want to hunt, okay? I like to hunt. Let's go to Dave in Illinois, please, Dave. Dave! Dr. Kramer, what an honor
4: and a privilege it is to speak to
3: you from your new studio at the New York Traffic Exchange. Well, thank you, You're Dave. My- and how can we, as always, how can I help you?
4: Jim, uh, the stock that I bring to you for your blessing
3: is a stock that both Stephanie Link and I like. It's Zoetis, ZPS. The Linkster. The Linkster likes it and so do I. And I like Kristen Peck, who happens to be the CEO. Doing a great job. You go, Dave, you got that stock down two bucks. I say it is... Bye, bye, bye! And by the way, Alanco, you just are not in the league. You're not in the league. I like Zoetis. I like Dave from Illinois. And now I'm going to like Mike. From Connecticut, Mike Mike. Mike.
2: Booya, Jimbo, first time long Booyah. time. Uh pleasure speaking with the Grand Master and my question is about Moderna. Um, I, I like Moderna was.
3: very much. I think it's undervalued. I need I mean, Ben Selleroy. So He's a genius. He isn't getting the recognition he deserves. The guy saved half the darn planet. Dr. Borla had the other half. I'm going to get him on the show and shake his hand. Do you know when that was at 19, he begged to get on the camera? I had him up. I said, you can't do this. He said, I can do that. He said, you can't. I did. He did. All right. We're not done. Can we get one more in? Can we get one more? Okay, fine. Let's go to Christian in Nevada. Christian. Hey, Mr. Jim, um, Colleen from Nevada. Uh, I must say, I love your garden. Um, but I, I know this box doesn't have a theme for but I was wondering um, is Warner Bros. still a bye-bye-bye? You know, I have in my garden, which I love, there's some very good pictures on tonight in between what Ryan Cohen's doing and my, my tomatoes. If I have a certain corner of my garden where I throw my rotten tomatoes and I pile up and then right before I leave Sunday night I put them all in the garbage. And you know what I'm going to call that corner? The Warner Brothers corner! Okay, I think we're done. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the... The
4: Lightning Round is sponsored by TDM Ameritrade. Coming up, bed, bath and betrayal. Kramer tackles an unfolding story that may have a big impact on the stock. Next.
3: Morning, David Faber and I got uh, talking about the craziness in Bed Bath and beyond. Whether or not the SEC's doing anything about it. Look, I have no idea if the is involved. It wouldn't surprise me. I know if I were running the commission, I'd ask enforcement to look into it, chiefly to find out if Ryan Cohen, that large investor who had a giant position in the stock, had any inside information when he decided to sell all his shares. But boy, he got some terrific prices on the go-out. It's a logical question, given that the company agreed to put three of his confidants on the board. To me, the whole act seems Let's say, I don't know, suboptimal, a guy who helped put three members on the board blows out of a stock before the company might be able to sell stock to save itself. Or maybe, uh, I don't know, restructure using Kirkland and Ellis, restructure, meaning something that could be dire. If it was a foot race between the company selling stock and Ryan Cohen selling the stock, I can tell you who is the winner. Cohen. Oh, I wish I had subpoena power, but I don't. I do hope one day we find out the truth about what happened here, because so many people are going to have lost so much money. I hope everyone involved has good lawyers and not just restructuring lawyers. That said, there are some deeper issues here that really do have the be uh, miffed. The SEC has to delve into issues related to these public short-busting campaigns and stocks that are heavily shorted. First, let me say at the outset that there's nothing wrong with being a cheerleader for a stock. It happens every day on our network. It is, however, against the law to pump and dump, meaning you can't buy a stock, then promote it with dubious information and then use that as an opportunity to sell into it. You might think it's enough to simply disclose when you own something. You just have to say, uh, hey, you know what? I intend to sell it someday. No, if you hype a stock, especially a small cap stock with a series of exaggerations that have no basis in fact, and then sell it, that's illegal. I think the SEC has his hands full with this stuff because there are so many boastful apes, as they call themselves, making all sorts of bogus claims all over the Internet. It's no issue if the promoter doesn't sell. But if it's a pump and dump, if they foment interest with false claims and then ring the register, mm mm-mm. Now, I know the SEC can't go after everything, but if I were them, I'd be all over these possible market manipulation situations where there's volume that's five or six times the size of the float in one single day. Right now, the commission hasn't spent enough time on this particular issue. If you can gang up to move a stock, that's arguably market manipulation, which is against the law. Of course, there are tons of things in this business that are against the law that yet never get prosecuted. I get that. But why isn't the SEC all over publicly bed bath, the meme chat sites that create squeezes as a cohort, and the lucky sales by Ryan Cohen, who could be deemed an insider if he knows anything from the board level that was material and not public? I have no idea. But there are certainly other more troubling issues that I'd be pursuing, too, if I were running the SEC right now. First, I want to know more about crypto pump-and-dump schemes. There are tons of coins being made up, and I'm sure they're being bagged, gunned, and then liquidated into the hype. That's called BGL, by the way. The government has pursued people at crypto firms who front-ran coins that they knew were about to be listed on popular exchanges. But I think it's vital that the SEC pursue these targets aggressively. I fear Congress will put crypto under the purview of a much less aggressive CFTC, instead of an aggressive SEC. I believe that would be a mistake, given how rampantly illegal behavior seems to go on every day in the crypto world. Second, I would love for the SEC to simply deem the SPAC loophole closed. We at CNBC have tons of data on SPACs, and while the SEC isn't supposed to be concerned about performance, just about disclosure, the information is so damning that I believe the commission should take action. The SEC wants disclosure, which would allow people to know what they're getting into, but if something's going to break down all the time, like a SPAC, it seems unfair to subject the public to what seems like securities with massive defects, even if the defects are disclosed. Yeah, they're coming more. I just saw one today. There's a flood behind it. Come on, SEC. It's true that the stench of bed bath stinks large, but what a lot of people got hurt on this one. Like, I did my best on this, please. But it's these other issues that are actually more endemic. The apes tend to only do one stock at a time, and they keep circling back to the same group of names. Maybe they're just boring people. So my advice to SEC Chief Gensler by all, means, by all means, ask enforcement to look into the nonsense at Bed Bath in real time. But please don't forget, there are bigger fish to fry. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you will try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. The news The Shepherd Smith starts now.
2: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses,